Hello, and welcome to Real Talk About Real Identity from Axiom. This podcast is devoted to important identity trends and the convergence of ad tech and martech. I'm Kyle Holloway, your podcast host, and I'm joined by our co-host, Dustin Rainey. Welcome to our visitors, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of Real Talk, where we like to focus on the role of identity in this exciting new world where MarTech and AdTech are colliding. For those that don't know me, my name is Dustin Rainey, and I'm your co-host here with Kyle Holloway. So Kyle, uh, there will soon be a massive shortage in cookies, those little anonymous IDs that have been stuffed in our browsers and have provided the glue that's held together AdTech um, for quite some time now. But this is in no way, uh, or by no way, means that there will be a shortage of data. Uh, as a matter of fact, the capture and use of online behavioral data is expected to continue to grow exponentially as consumers shift more and more um, of their everyday activities to the Internet of Things and to addressable devices. So to put things in perspective, uh, a recent study by Statista plotted out the, the volume of data and information created, captured, copied, and consumed worldwide from 2010 to present with predictions based on growth trajectory through 2024. And this is all measured in zettabytes. For those that don't know what a zettabyte is, um, it's equal to 1 billion terabytes, so a lot of data. So in 2010, the globe produced, they're saying, around 2 zettabytes of data. Um, so jump to 2020, we produced almost 60 zettabytes of data. And then just three more years, like so 2024, the prediction is that the globe is expected to produce 150 zettabytes of data. And you can see this hockey stick effect at play here, right? Um, so how can you turn this massive amount of unstructured digital behavior data flowing in and out of ad servers, DSPs, publisher networks into something usable, something that, that can be leveraged for targeting? So while authenticated traffic solutions are starting to emerge from onboarders and DSPs, which require users to provide some form of PII, typically email, as they're consuming content across the open internet, I have to believe that other more scalable methods will have to emerge that make use of that 150 zettabytes of behavioral data that I just mentioned. And we have to assume that probabilistic methods uh, that make use of artificial intelligence and machine learning will play a major role. Which leads me to one of my big questions for the day. Um, how can we ensure that AI-enhanced browsing data keeps consumer privacy in mind while also serving as an effective alternative to the cookie-less world? So, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, I think that's a boatload of data. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still just trying to wrap my mind around, uh, you know, a zettabyte and much less 150 zettabytes <laughs> of data. Um, and just to think of how far we've come in such a short amount of time. And uh, and certainly the aspect of leveraging, you know, AI to paw through all that data and start to extract insights is, is not necessarily a new concept, but certainly there's a... a, a a matter of scale, you know, the mm -hmm. exponential increase in being able to do that and and find those ever smaller needles in the haystack is critical. Um, and, you know, as for the cookie side of things, um, you know, it's been such a why reinvent the wheel kind of moment, right? For a long time, we've all talked about them being around for 20 plus years and that they're not elegant and such, yet you know, we all still use them <laughs> because it was easy and they were there. Um, but yeah, we see now this aspect of, you know, companies like Google uh, pivoting towards flocks or cohort based targeting uh, and, you know, things like authenticated traffic and the aspect of AI 
being a viable solution for industry players, especially DSPs and the large publisher conglomerates, um, you know, that have all that data to be able to make sense of it. So um, it's a really interesting time and a lot of stuff changing and opportunity in market to um, use these inflection points. You know, um, these are the kind of uh, mother of invention kind of moments, right? As, mm -hmm. as things change, people have to lean into that. And, um, and so it takes, you know, the scale and power of AI to make sense of those changes. And they're taking place and quickly reassigning audience segments, you know, based on like browsing behavior and such. So that leads us to today. And I'm super excited to um, introduce our guest, Will McGovern-Smith. Will has spent the last 12 years in data-driven marketing and currently serves as the Chief Product and Strategy Officer at True Data. And in this role, Will focuses on defining the strategic and product priorities for True Data's identity-based ecosystem and managing the R&D and corp dev functions to accelerate progress against those priorities. And prior to True Data, Will was at Nielsen Catalina, shaping and growing a diverse set of functions, including data science, product, business development, and sales. So, Will, welcome to the show. Kyle, Dustin, really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to have me here and excited to, to unpack some, some really sort of hairy, uh, but very, very important topics um, with you guys today. Yeah, thanks. And we're, we're excited to hear from you. And, and you bring a, a great perspective coming from uh, Nielsen and then True Data. So excited to have you here. For listeners that may not be as familiar with True Data, why don't you give us a little background on kind of True Data's role within the ecosystem today? You know, what's your strategic objectives and, and kind of what brought you to that point of, of being kind of at the top of the, the food chain there? Yeah, absolutely. So, so maybe I'll you know start this with with true data, and I can kind of wind back to sort of unpack you know how uh, how I got to to be where I am. But really, you know, for 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 the folks who aren't familiar with true data, and we definitely don't assume that all of your your guests and audience you know will be familiar with us. You know, to your point, really, kind of the way we talk about ourselves is is having built over the last seven years, you know, an identity enabled ecosystem that really helps brands you know acquire new users and simplify the process of to your point, leveraging data and identity to to do that, as well as, you know, unlocking, you know, more retention oriented solutions, you know, to kind of combat churn, all, you know, with maybe more traditional use cases like, you know, CRM onboarding. And so that identity graph that sits, you know, very much at the center of our business and our platform is incredibly important, not only for the brands that use it for, you know, more of those onboarding and kind of measurement use cases, but also for, for a lot of our, our big partners like uh, the experience of the world is also an investor and who kind of builds, you know, their identity solution on, on top of our platform. And really what we're trying to do is, you know, create a very safe and consented kind of suite of solutions that help uh, continue very much. I think, you know, what you guys said at the outset, which is how do we continue to unlock the power of data and addressability and in a, a post cookie world uh, in a way that's very respectful of, of consumer privacy, uh, but that also, you know, lets data be an asset that not just Google and Facebook can wield, but also one that, you know, very much can help more of the middle market kind of brands and publishers in our ecosystem. That's great. And so, you know, this is a little bit of uncharted waters, you know, as we're moving forward as cookies are being further deprecated. You know, it's kind of funny because we all talk about the deprecation of the cookie, but Apple took steps several years ago and and really it's just google kind of being the last shoe to drop in that aspect but with that and then now some of the restrictions around idfa and consent and opt-in um what are some of the key challenges that you guys are hearing from your clients and kind of what's your approach to those 
Yeah, I mean, I, th I think you nailed it that at the highest level, I mean, it really seems like, you know, whether we're talking to a brand or a publisher or even our sort of larger ad tech and data clients at the highest level, you know, pretty much everyone in the ecosystem is really wrestling with what does the future of digital advertising look like on the open Internet and really across every channel from web to mobile to OTT, given the changes that that we're seeing in addressability. And, and I think, you know, Kyle, very much to your point, you know, if we kind of look at the arc of innovation in our industry, over the last 10 years, if you start to look at really key sort of technologies like CRM onboarding, you know, which LiveRamp sort of very much brought to the forefront in, you know, 2014, 2015, or even second party and third party data, and maybe even most importantly, things like sales measurement, offline measurement, all of these, you know, sort of new solutions uh, that really, you know, sort of brought performance for digital to a new echelon. They all rely at their core on some notion of identity and addressability. And again, given the performance that they've created for brands, you know, we've seen brands vote with their ad dollars towards those solutions and, and wanting to maintain them. And similar, I think I think we've seen publishers very much adopt those because of the incremental revenue that, that they've helped to create. And so I think, you know, as we look to, you know, 2022 and we move to the future, as we try to unpack, you know, really what does this new wave of privacy legislation like CCPA and GDPR, you know, which we very much support, I think those are great steps in the right direction. And what's the impact of those, as well as what's the impact of operating system kind of changes like iOS 14 uh, or browser changes like, you know, the coming deprecation of cookies in Chrome, really kind of what we're seeing as we talk to our clients is that uh, all of this will culminate in, in, in a lot of ways, just more fragmented kind of traces of identity that you're going to have to leverage where possible with very kind of privacy centric implementations. But I think also that there's a very real reality that uh, that it's also just going to mean more anonymous inventory that's going to be floating around as we give consumers the right level of choice to opt out. And, and we, you know, see some of these ID changes sort of, uh, you know, happening and, uh, and sort of before us. And at the end of the day, you know, kind of as we, we give recommendations to those brands and clients, you know, typically our guidance is, you know, first, this starts with, you know, the need for brands to start to maximize their ability to collect first party data and ideally to sort of, you know, innately start to capture or append, you know, multiple notions of of identity and not sort of be reliant solely on walled gardens or proprietary solutions to kind of, you know, take control uh, of that, that that next generation of, of addressable solutions. And I think the other sort of half of that is the reality that there will be more anonymous inventory. How can brands, you know, look at that as, you know, you know, like Safari, for example, when third-party cookies uh, were deprecated, we saw about a 50% decline in CPMs uh, to buy that media. And so when you think about that from a brand standpoint, it should be a much larger portion of inventory that will come at that, you know, likely lower anonymous price point. How can brands who are forward looking start to think about ways to arbitrage that lower priced inventory, but find contextual solutions like the Google Flocks of the world to make that perform in a similar sort of manner to the much more sort of heavily contested uh, addressable inventory that we're going to see sort of, you know, increase in scarcity and likely increase in, in price. So we see that the the market's definitely pivoting, you know, more to, towards you know authenticating, you know, traffic on the in the ad tech ecosystem, right? In place of third party cookies, where does true data really position itself in market with all this going away? What problems are are you all solving for brands? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think our, our crystal ball, you know, let's say is probably as, as faulty as everybody else's. Um, but, you know, th this is sort of this identity sort of, you know, moment that we're, we're living through right now is, is something that we have been fortunate enough to kind of have been planning for for, for some time. And really, you know, we're, we're lucky with our legacy in connecting emails to mobile ad IDs. You know, we really had a foundation in the offline world and, and a very durable identity key in email that, that wasn't sort of, uh, you know, as impacted. Uh, as something like an IDFA with, with iOS 14. And so, you know, slightly on the tactical side, you know, over the last year, as we've really been working through that response plan that we created uh, after the iOS 14 announcement last year, we started with, you know, some more tactical elements. Uh, and this is one of the, the privileges of having to kind of run a business through the process and all of these changes is, we weren't able to kind of look way out in the, into the future and say, we're going to build a, a solely new age third party identity solution that's going to have to sort of get to scale on supply and demand. We had a lot of clients who said, we need a new solution tomorrow. And so because of that, you know, sort of, you know, more tactical thinking, let's say, we launched uh, a very new home IP solution that has a unique sort of consented element to it. Uh, and that's critical we're seeing for our customers, not only in CTV and OTT, where frankly, you know, whether folks want to say it or not, IP address really is the currency for targeting and measurement at scale. But also that home IP solution has been critical, you know, frankly, as a fallback for household level targeting and measurement, even in, in light of third party cookie deprecation. And we're seeing that especially in browsers like Safari, where cookies ha haven't been around of the third party variety now for several years, you know, we have clients who are saying, hey, you've really sort of helped us unlock, you know, the the targeting of old uh, in, at a household level in some of those harder to kind of reach channels. And so that was, you know, one of the big early sort of investments. We also were one of the first to kind of integrate with uh, UID2. Uh, we're lucky to be a big partner of Trade Desk on the identity side and uh, and are already integrated there. And then last but not least, you know, we're, we're adding kind of CTV IDs uh, and IFAs as we speak to that graph. And so if I kind of elevate out at the more tactical level, kind of from a framing standpoint, you know, really the, the way we think about ourselves, maybe a little bit grandiose or not, is, is kind of the, the leading open identity platform of an omnichannel variety that really is one of the first to support not only some of the key IDs that you're going to need today to enable addressability, but also things like UID2, which we're very bullish on, you know, really helping to shape the future of addressability once it gets to scale in the next, you know, let's say 12 months. I mean, you talk a lot about, you know, kind of the open side of it and, and all that um, connectivity and such. Um, how about your relationship with like the walled gardens, you know, because you know, we're hearing from some clients, you know, it's starting to, you know, how everything tech kind of gets very um, kind of religious, right? Where it's, you know, Apple versus Windows or this versus that. And um, and then you have um, kind of I'm all in on the walled garden, kind of the, hey, yeah, we're going to be all in on Google Ads Data Hub um, versus not. So when a, a potential client approaches you, kind of says they're in that all in um, walled garden aspect. What's your answer there? How do you, how do you guys interact with that? It's a great question. You know, I, I think, um, unfortunately, this is probably a moment where we, we, we tell our clients to sort of look to the past, right? And, and if you look at the number of times in businesses that have been built on, you know, frankly, uh, technologies or APIs from those companies, whether it was, you know, if we look back a decade to all of the search businesses that relied on the open Google APIs for search traffic data, 
the second that you know Google turned those off, uh, th- those businesses were, were unfortunately you know uh, pretty dramatically impacted. And I think we're seeing the same thing now. You know, the more that you are solely reliant on one platform provider, whether it's a, a Google or a Facebook or one identity solution in particular, you're going to have a lot of concentration risk. And the second that there are changes there, it's going to be challenging for you to adapt and sort of pivot to the new world order. And I think so at the highest level, we're really guiding our clients to longer term, they're going to be amazing solutions like UID2 that that will get to saturation, have an open source privacy centric element that'll be incredibly beneficial for our ecosystem and that, you know, people should feel very comfortable building on because they're not proprietary technologies. But at the same time, that is at least we believe 12 to 18 months away. And so in the interim, you know, really this idea of taking control of your first party data, whether you're a brand or a publisher from a collection standpoint, and then trying to augment that innately with the identifiers that make that actionable directly in CTV, in web, in mobile, et cetera. That's the kind of long-term strategy that we're, we're guiding our clients towards. And that, you know, I think we're seeing the, the more forward-thinking brands and publishers really sort of, uh, you know, react to and kind of go down that path with us. Yeah. So I think about like, hashed emails, maids, uh, all these things more of like deterministic uh, types of matching. And you pretty much, there's not a, not a lot of sophistication in trying to, to determine am I reaching the right person a lot of times. Now bringing those together because they can change from, you know, over time as you change devices, that's one thing. But probabilistic um, methods and you, you, you threw out IP address household. How are, are you guys thinking from that perspective? Are you leveraging AI um, to, to do that? And are you tying that to then browser data uh, as, as people are consuming across the open internet? Um, and, you know, what are your thoughts there? You know, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Dustin. You know, at, at, at one perspective, you know, maybe one way to, you know, sort of unpack this is I think, you know, maybe a year ago, the debate was a little bit simpler on the identity side, which was just, are you deterministic or, or are you probabilistic, right? And, and I think that that was, you know, you had a lot of dogma around, well, one's better than the other. And we could probably all say in that, that you know, years of old, yeah, deterministic was, was a better approach. I think the world that we're stepping into is we're going to move to the debate being much more just, you know, right versus wrong, true versus not true. And the the path by which you get there is going to be a little bit less sort of important versus the end outcome. And so, you know, really from a methodological standpoint, you're spot on. You know, we're looking at, you know, we're fortunate from from our past to have about 100 billion U.S. events per month that we see of either a registration variety where we'll literally see, you know, Dustin at Gmail registered in this app and that lets us start to build deterministic bridges. But we're also seeing ID sightings events of, you know, hey, this particular uh, first party cookie was active on our publisher's domain at this particular time. And what ultimately that confluence of both those registration or e-commerce events and those kind of sightings events lets us do is really see that, you know, Dustin's first party cookie is always active on this IP address at this time. We also see Dustin at Gmail active on his phone at that time and starting to cluster together. This email is very, very clearly paired with this first party cookie, this third party mobile ad ID, and basically, you know, creating a a multi-tenant kind of graph that today connects hashed emails, mobile ad IDs, UID2s, and even for publishers where we're building that first party graph, their first party cookies or or instance IDs. That's good. So I totally see where, you know, now there's, it's like the scale of, 
a combination of, of both methods. And like you said, I, I agree. This really not one's right or, or one's wrong. It's going to be a combination of the two. Um, and ultimately that, like, like you said, it's, am I, you know, how, well, one, how's my media performing? Right. At the end of the day, that's really what drives results. And that's, it's that, that balance, um, of value exchange when a brand who's paying dollars to reach new consumers, uh, they want to know that they're reaching the right consumer. So making sure that you're leveraging uh, that combination in a right way. So, you know, we probably should talk a little bit about, about you know, privacy, <laughs> you know, consumer privacy. That's, that's a big topic, right? When you're, you're trying to, to especially when you are leveraging probabilistic. Um, and you said earlier that, you guys have kind of developed some some methods of doing that with consent. Can you explain that a little bit more of, of how you view consent and how consent's uh, part of that uh, probabilistic side of things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll say that the the first time, or I think it was the second time that I met Elliot Easterling, who's our our founder and and, and CEO, and this was long before I actually joined True Data, but kind of in the, the the early days of our our sort of you know courting relationship, if you will. Um, you know, he said, "Look, well, you know, I, I will. I do not want to let a privacy issue put the business that we've that we're going to work so hard to build at risk." And and that was sort of a defining moment for me, and and something that I really sort of shared, um, both you know from a business standpoint but also just from you know frankly a consumer standpoint as well and i think uh as hard as it's been i think we've done a good job to kind of keep that at, at front and center for the last you know seven years as, as as we've built the business it's been incredibly helpful to have you know folks and clients and, and investors you know like the the credit bureaus um you know kind of guide us on that path but it's also been been a huge amount of work you know on a slightly tactical level you, you mentioned consent and, and one little known kind of fact about true data is in the early days of sort of the, the GDPR fury in, in 2016, we actually spent about six months, you know, iterating and doing really deep design and prototype development for our consent management platform. And, and as the, the head of product, it sort of, you know, you, you'd see some scars if you were looking at me here um, because there was a, a slightly sort of painful journey, but it was inc incredibly beneficial to go through those cycles to, you know, understand the regs and to frankly design a product that would help gather consent for consumers. We ultimately mothballed that as one trust, you know, raised uh, a few hundred million dollars at a billion dollar valuation. We realized, OK, we're not quite capitalized to really sort of win in the mobile first CMP. But I think that was a defining moment for us in terms of rallying the whole company around privacy. And so when you talk about things like IP, you know, I think a lot there's a lot that's been written uh, and there's a lot of, you know, sort of agita around IP in, in particular. And I think, you know, that that's that's very warranted now. At the same time, if you can enable an opt-out on an IP address, if you can give consumers choice that, yep, click this button and your current opt your current IP address that you're active on will be opted out as well as any other identifier that you want to submit. We really believe that at some level, there's no difference between using an IP or a mobile entity as long as you really are giving consumers the ability to opt out and you're able to kind of daisy chain those opt-outs through the ecosystem. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, really interesting, and and certainly um, this whole aspect of um, and this is a little bit of an industry um, challenge we have is that we speak in kind of absolutes, we speak in uh, terms of like identity, yet knowing that 
underneath covers, it's it's a continuum, right? And so we start bringing in language like pseudonymous or anonymous, and then we have identifiers, and we start saying, well, it's people based, but we it's not really tied to literally a person's PII. You know, it's obfuscated, and and therefore it, it meets these these pieces. So, um, you know, I think we've kind of created our own, a uh, little bit of our own challenge in the press and in the media, because people hear things, the general population and certainly legislators hear things like, oh, people-based advertising, targeting and such, um, and don't really understand the efficacy of doing that in a pseudonymous state where we don't necessarily know it's Kyle, but we know the right pieces about Kyle to be able to target him effectively without and knowing the individual. Where do you see in this future and as we're moving in, because we brought in flocks a little bit and, and some of these um, other concepts, but that aspect, do you, do you see kind of the pendulum swinging even farther more to brands getting comfortable targeting and advertising on truly pseudonymous levels versus more of the targeted direct mail concepts of hello kyle you know <laughs> dear kyle here you go um what are your thoughts there you know i i think there, there's maybe some some subtext there kyle that that i think is really important that, that you hit on and, and in a lot of ways i think we look at mobile ad ids or third-party cookies uh in a pretty favorable light in that to your point they were anonymous sort of random strings of numbers that really enabled the interoperability and, and the targeting and the measurement but let us keep personal information and names and addresses away from all of the scary stuff. Like what sites are you visiting? Did you go to Planned Parenthood? Did you just go to grinder.com? Those are really sensitive moments and having something in the middle of that browsing behavior uh, and that sort of online activity and your offline PII, I think was frankly slightly elegant and, and was a great solution. Now, as we've moved through the stages of, of grief, you know, we try to look to the future and, and not necessarily always at the past. But I think what you're seeing is a lot of work from the NAI and from, you know, bodies like Pram to start to say, okay, you know, Google and Apple, you're sort of forcing us to tear down this very, you know, formally intentional wall between those things and start to use identifiers, for example, you know, like you said, a hashed email as more of the linchpin for that that ad targeting and measurement. And so I think, you know, that has to lead to a whole new sort of, you know, array of uh, sort of consent and transparency protocols, as well as even basic security measures, if we're going to start to use things that are, you know, really rooted in PII, and, and in a lot of cases, you know, can be sort of tied back to PII for more of those online, you know, targeting and, and measurement use cases. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting one, you know, just around consent and certainly consumer, right? The consumer having the opportunity to, quote, opt in or opt out or at least make some informed consent, which leads us to the other challenge of consumers are finicky. Consumers can be ill-informed and consumers can also be rash. Uh, they can uh, choose. Uh, and, you know, I think we've seen it, uh, you know, certainly on the old privacy notices of past, right, where initially there was more consumer kind of concern and focus on that. But then as the value propositions were put forth and consumers got acclimated to or maybe fatigued from an inundation of those or it's like i'm not reading all of that i'm yes 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 because i want i want i want 
And, uh, you know, I really felt like it's going to be interesting to see IDFA stage, you know, how, you know, we're seeing a low opt-in rate right now, uh, you know, two, three, 5%, depending on how you read some say up in the thirties on some particular apps, but how, you know, how's that really going to play out? You know, are consumers really that concerned about their data and, and kind of their identity components? Um, are they more just concerned about convenience and the value of whatever they're engaging with? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're, you're you're spot on. You know, at least our read of the situation is there is going to be, you know, the, the sort of initial moment that we're in right now. Um, and frankly, you know, maybe have been for the last, let's call it 12 months of, you know, all of the cookie notices, all of the consent management platforms that are launching dialog windows on, online in app, as well as now the operating system prompts from iOS. And so, you know, as we play this out, you know, to really be compliant, if we're thinking about mobile, not only if you want to access the IDFA, you need Apple's dialog window, but the California AG would probably say, well, that's nice, Apple, but that doesn't fit my CCPA regs. And so then you also need a consent management platform that's CCPA aligned. And then we're going to have the moments where we have other state regs. And so to your point, you may have sort of a workflow that has four or five, six different notices, you know, to, to comply with the operating system, the state level law, a piece of federal legislation. And so this is one of the challenges in the world that we're living in is, you know, really what does consent mean? I think, you know, what we're hoping, frankly, uh, for some sort of legislation to help clarify that at the federal level, but it's going to be an interesting moment to just kind of work through. Um, you know, to, maybe on the, the, the slightly more, you know, direct answer, I do think, you know, especially as we look at our consent rates, uh, especially in the younger generations, it does seem like opt-in and sort of the understanding of, yeah, you know, it is uh, actually sort of, you know, my advertising and eyeballs that creates this free content. Um, I think that there's an, more of an understanding there. And so I think we're seeing a bit of a, a gulf right now is uh, this is a little bit you know new to a lot of, of, of users. But I think over time, we're going to see, you know, those opt-in rates, you know, increase slightly, uh, but definitely not dramatically. So do you think that, like, let's go, let's talk really briefly, because I know we're, we're about to run out of time here. But, you know, this concept of the, the cohort, um, is that really a viable solution? Because um, if you think about it, like even with Google, you, you ultimately have to have an ID and IDs associated with that cohort in the background in order to, to serve whatever ad uh, to that device, um, you know, whatever segmented targeting um, you're, you're going to get to. So is the, is the cohort, you know, are you, are you, is true data looking at that as a, an option, a viable option within your platform? And do you see that really taking hold in the industry uh, you know, as a, a way to basically, when we're talking about consent, giving consumers the peace of mind of, you know, you mentioned a couple of, of situations where you've, you visited sensitive sites. Well, does the cohort solve for that really? Or, and what, what are your overall thoughts there on, on this concept of rolling things up to a, a one to a thousand or more? So really interesting question. Um, you know, if, if I go back to the kind of, you know, future that, that I think, you know, the three of us at least agree that we're stepping into where there is just gonna be a heck of a lot more anonymous inventory that's floating around, you know, the, the current solutions that you have, you can do keyword targeting based on, you know, let's find sites that are about, you know, certain types of news or sports or, or whatever might be relevant for your brand. And those can function in a more anonymous world. But I do think to your point, advertisers will look for something that is a little bit more sort of, you know, let's call it audience context or audience, you know, flock related 
related to use the, the Google, Google parlance. Uh, I think that they will use those to the extent that they can provide something like the pro rata performance to where you have lower cost inventory, you know, a lower cost price for that flock data, but ultimately on a percentage basis, see the same ROAS. I think, you know, forward thinking brands are going to say, yeah, less contested anonymous inventory, not as many bids. I can get it for a lower price point and it performs. You know, I, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Now, to your point, you know, if, if we unpack the Google implementation, which I think is actually very elegant and, and great, but there are some things that, you know, maybe aren't being talked about that uh, are very important. And Dustin, you nailed it. There is, there needs to be some level of training data to build those cohorts. And what Google is doing is for the people who sync their data across all their different browsers on web and mobile, that's the training set that Google's using. And so for some portion of the population, there is going to be an ID, all of the outcomes that you've sort of, you know, transacted on and all of that browsing data. And it's going to sit in a Google server and that's where the modeling is going to happen. And so that it still is scary. Now, the idea of once you have those sort of, you know, models developed and coefficients for the rest of the population, you can store their browsing data on their device. It doesn't need to sort of leave and you can send the sort of simple model to do scoring for that user. And so I think, you know, it's an interesting step in the right direction. It does add protection for most of the population but of course just for model training you're going to have some users where all of their browsing is sitting in a data center along with uh you know their their outcomes hmm. yeah interesting great insights yeah and uh, certainly like i said uh it's an interesting future ahead and so uh, we are out of time um i know we could riff on this stuff for hours and so really appreciate you being here will um, we always like to end, you know, with our usual question, uh, just around the future we were just talking about, but projecting out to like 2030, um, you know, do you see more of an Orwellian type future or do you see brighter days ahead as we're going through all of this? Guys, a absolute pleasure to just get to come on here and have a, have a really fun conversation. So, so thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe as a, a little bookend. So, so I think, you know, if I, if I put on my true data hat at the highest level, I think we really believe in the power of the open internet and that ad revenue can support publishers and developers as they create just incredibly important content and journalism and, and technology solutions and a heck of a lot of jobs along the way. And I think, you know, if I look back over the last 20 years, if those things have proven anything, it's that Google, Facebook, Twitter, Pandora, almost every news outlet, those, those kind of entities, platforms and services that are so key to innovation and, and probably how we define democracy today, they may not be able to survive without advertising dollars. And so if we now look forward to deliver on the promise that advertising can support, let's say the next generation of that innovation and kind of content, consented data and identity can't be an asset that only Apple and Google and Facebook, who again, were born from that ad revenue, they can't be the only ones who are able to sort of wield that from a competitive standpoint. And so I think instead what, they're, what we need are non-proprietary interoperable solutions that do let brands and publishers in mass you know leverage data and identity but in a very sort of safe and, and consented kind of framework in terms of how we get to that future you know i think we're capitalists that true data and so you know we really believe given the amount of advertising dollars on the line the natural forces of competition are, are going to sort of help propel us to that to that end goal but we also really believe that policy or, or legislation is going to be key to also kind of clarify 
when browsers or operating systems or even walled gardens are sort of over leveraging their privileged position uh, in ways that are truly anti-competitive. And so while I think, you know, we live in a very technical world and it's hard for the public and, and policymakers to understand, I think we are seeing some shot, some signs of, of a shift in terms of the willingness for the populace and, and policymakers to really dig in and, and try to understand, you know, how this is impacting our, our future. And so I think this is a long game. We're in the early, early innings, uh, if you will. But at least from our vantage point, I think we're seeing a new level of sort of, you know, open, honest, transparent collaboration across the ecosystem in, in a sort of a, a different echelon than maybe we've seen before. And I think we're seeing, you know, deep agreement that, you know, whether it's personal personalization or, you know, adjustable targeting and measurement, that all of those things, you know, that, that lead to more advertising revenue for publishers and more performance for brands, that they can only exist when they're paired with privacy, transparency, and consent. And so again, lots of game left to be played. But I think, you know, as an industry, early innings, we're off to a good start. And we're seeing the right level of sort of agreement on some of the most important things that I think will, will get us uh, to a brighter future. Awesome. Well, thank you, Will. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners. And hopefully this was uh, informative for you guys as it was for me. And we look forward to being back with another episode in the coming weeks. Thank you.